you a woman searching for purpose and success? A housewife? Maybe a single mother? You're in the right place. Welcome to Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Ms. Lisa Nobles. Activate, motivate, inspire. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Savage Weeks Empowerment Podcast. I am Miss Lisa Nobles, your host, and I am so excited and elated to have you joining with me today. Speaking of today, our topic will consist of being more than your cancer diagnosis. I have a very important guest joining me for this empowerment segment at the Savvy Speaks Roundtable. This segment is dedicated in sharing the importance of understanding your cancer diagnosis and how it affects not only you, yet your family, livelihood, your natural movement of your body, and your interactions in life, to name just a few elements in which we will learn about today, which we were going to hear from our guest, Queen Jennifer. So let's give a warm welcome to our guest, Queen Jennifer, who is a certified massage therapist second-generation Pilates master, teacher, breast cancer post-rehab exercise specialist, cancer exercise specialist, RYT200, which is registered yoga teacher, and running coach family, who does understand firsthand as well as professionally how frustrating and debilitating not only being able to move your body can be emotionally, physically, and psychologically challenging. I have used, she says, I, she has used these tools in her toolkit to get people like you moving again after learning of this illness and or this injury. So welcome, Queen Jennifer, to the Sally Speaks Roundtable. Family, our focus again today is being more than your cancer diagnosis. Jennifer, again, welcome. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you for having me today, Lisa. Thank you. I have actually worked with cancer survivors for most of my career as a Pilates and yoga teacher. Before that, I w was in the corporate world for 25-ish years. Wow. And so my journey is a little different from other people's because I had a lot of information mm -hmm. when I started down that path. Right. Which gave me a very different perspective, and so often I find perspective is everything when it right. comes to this journey. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Okay, Jennifer, are you ready, family? Then let's talk about it. Being more than your cancer, cancer diagnosis, I'm very excited. You know this is very near and dear to my heart. We lost my aunt to cancer about 10 years ago, so this is a beautiful conversation. So, Jennifer, can you please share a little bit about your journey, a little bit more in depth now, and how you came to know um, you had cancer? So, And we're ready to listen. Go right ahead. Absolutely. My journey was really interesting because I had sort of been getting that tap on the shoulder. I was 43 and I had not had a mammogram. My doctor had sort of said, oh, go whenever you're in great shape. My exams never, there was never anything of concern. So in January of 2016, I started getting like this little voice saying, you should go get a mammogram, mm -hmm. getting that tap, that intuitive tap on the shoulder. 
And in March, actually, I was in the doctor's office for a sick visit and asked if I could get the order because I was coming back in a month for my annual physical. Mm -hmm. And they said no. Mm -hmm. I had to wait until my annual physical, which I didn't question. So anyone out there, question it Mm because you really can get that order whenever. So I ended up going for my physical and two days after my physical, it was the best physical of my life. Right. Best. My cholesterol was down 40 points. I was at my best weight. My sports performance was the best. I'm, I'm a recreational runner. I, everything was great. My doctor didn't feel anything in my breast exam. Mm -hmm. I hadn't felt anything. I just had that little voice in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. Two days later, I went for my mammogram and the tech said, oh, it's really normal to get a call back for your first one. Mm -hmm. And I knew from there that I was probably going on this journey. Wow. Okay. So what did you experience when you had, when you heard those words, you have cancer and what was it like to deliver the news to your friends and family members? So really interesting. No one told me you have cancer. Wow. I went for, I got a call back. I went in for the ultrasound. Uh The radiologist did the check. She showed me the areas of concern. She said, Hey, you're young. These things can be aggressive. We want you to move quickly. I want you to get an MRI and a biopsy. And I was like, I'm free now. Mm -hmm. I can go hop in the MRI machine or is it open? Right. Right. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) So We followed all those steps. I I got in five days later for the MRI. I went and met with a surgeon. Um, Two days after I got my MRI results, I happened to be able to get in with the surgeon mm-hmm. she did the biopsy and I had an appointment with her five days later and she said keep that appointment we should have your results we went in we talked about specifically what was going on mm-hmm. but no one ever said this is cancer right mom actually I had that my husband and I had that appointment with the surgeon and I called my mom to say I'm gonna meet with the plastic surgeon on right. Monday mm-hmm. she said is it cancer I was like, yes, that's why we're scheduling a bilateral mastectomy. <laughs> that's yeah. usually because of cancer. Right, right, right. But all of my other friends, I learned really quickly how challenging it is to share that news because you get, you've had experience with losing your aunt. Right. See reflected back every experience anyone's ever had with cancer right uh-huh. so their experience has been for lack of a different word positive where they know someone that has gone through cancer and is healthy and doing well the response is generally more positive if they've experienced loss right. the response is generally pretty negative so i learned really early i stopped um I had to tell a lot of people. I work with clients in person. I'm out in the community. So I would say, I'm getting an upgrade. Now it's sort of motion. Uh Right. (laughs) Because I was not very well endowed previously. Mm -hmm. So I would say, I'm getting an upgrade that's medically necessary. Right. And that would be just enough. Right. Without, mm mm-hmm. Just disarming enough, like when people put together, like that sort of chuckle at an upgrade. Right, right. They put together that it was medically necessary and be like, oh. Okay. 
but it was disarming. Right. So I used a lot of humor. Mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also, even though I had that tap on the shoulder, I had a very strong knowing that I was going to be okay. Right. I was going to go do a thing. Right. But I was going to otherwise be okay. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought this journey was going to take me to another place on my overall journey, I did not at any point feel like it was that I was not going to come through on the other side. Right. Healthy and whole. Well, you know, I can appreciate that, Jennifer. I wish that, well, of course I wouldn't wish you had cancer back in those days, but if I would have known someone like you from my aunt, my aunt was very, very religious. And if you know anyone who's just in back in those days, you know, that's how my grandmother taught her children to be very, very religious. So she felt that God would heal her and that she could just use natural instances to, you know, cure her cancer. So by the time she told her children, me, her cousin, you know, her niece, but I was just like one of the kids also, she was already at stage four. And they had in, uh, she was in Martin Luther King uh, Hospital in LA. So to have someone like you, because you had, I can see your personality all all through my research now, because you're so positive. And now I see why you advocate so strongly with having a, a, a mindset the mindset, which we'll get into here in a minute, but before your official diagnosis and you're looking back, what were some of the, what were some of the signs that something may have been physically wrong or was there any signs that something was physically wrong? There really weren't any outward signs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, My doctor didn't feel anything in my exam. I had not felt anything. Right. I, it really, it was just this sort of intuitive. Right. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, and I bring that up because, um, like you said, they didn't, you know, it wasn't never really said you have cancer, you know, for the people out there, for the women or men who are listening to this segment, you know, I want them to understand that as in you, you may not feel those physical signs. But so you're saying that, would you agree that it's just very important at a certain age, especially to go ahead and have that test done? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because there are so many screenings and some are being done earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. Colonoscopies are actually being recommended earlier because they're finding so many instances Mm -hmm. of colon cancer in 20 and 30 something. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that test is normally done at 50. So they're starting to dial those back. Like for me, because I had cancer at 43, Mm -hmm. They are wanting me to do those screenings sooner. Like I get a skin check every year. I have fair skin. So I get a skin check every year and I've had many moles removed. And just like with breast cancer, I didn't have any signs and I was in great shape. My weight was great. My diet was great. My exercise was great. Mm -hmm. My Mm -hmm. blood work was the best it had been ever in my life. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And, which then can be a little scary. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I had a, I had a physical a few weeks ago and she said, you're fantastic. Everything's <laughs> good. You're getting back to normal. Right, like, you're right. totally getting back to where you were before. And I was like, yep. Right before I had cancer. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I heard this before. <laughs> so I know that you are an, an advocate of routine recommended health screens as you so gracefully, gracefully just shared. So how has it been significant in your own life? If you want to elaborate just a little bit more on that. 
it's been really interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. A year after, or actually two years after my initial diagnosis, my husband had thyroid cancer, Mm -hmm. and which was a very different process, a very different thing, very different Mm -hmm. process. Um, Mm -hmm. And I actually had been put on a medication that's supposed to protect you from recurrence. Okay. And it's, it's a beautiful thing because the statistics say there that one in eight women will get breast cancer and one in 34 will potentially have a recurrence. Okay. I have heard now our statistics are usually several years behind. Of course. I've heard doctors say that they're seeing one in a hundred recurrences with breast cancer. Some local doctors here in the area. Uh So there's a lot of standard treatment that people with hormone positive breast cancers, because there's all kinds of breast cancers. Uh There's a standard treatment that they want people to, that they want people to do. Mm -hmm. And I was allergic to that treatment. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Celiac. And the treatment had gluten. Oh, wow. And I was on that treatment for a year, and I was full of fluid. I was puffy. Of course. I had rashes. Of course. I didn't really have a lot of digestive issues, but my celiac doesn't come out that way. Okay. And I had to really be a curious advocate for myself. Yes. Because I find that we're lacking curiosity. Okay. I feel like our medical teams, they have so much information and they're looking for specific things when you're in there. And, and I more often than not heard, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, that's great. It's happening. I don't care if it's weird. Right. Mm-hmm. And I ended up figuring out on my own that there was potentially gluten and I called my pharmacy and my pharmacist okay. confirmed mm-hmm. that she also suspected. Mm-hmm. It took my oncologist's office 18 weeks to get wow. confirmation that it, it did indeed have gluten. And being on that medication was causing me to be full of fluid. I wasn't healing. My immune system wasn't rebounding. My hair wasn't growing back. I had hair, but it was really short. And I was looking at other survivors like, why? Like, they just finished treatment and they have a full head of hair. And I've been a year out of treatment and I barely have like an inch of hair. What is happening here? And my oncologist wasn't happy about it when I said that I can't take this anymore. Um, And I was allergic. And the very first thing in the medication says, if you're allergic, don't take it. (laughs) So when I confirmed the allergy, then I said, you know what, I'm not going to take this anymore. And I've since been told that that medication for people with the type of, I had HER2 positive breast cancer, and I got a specific targeted treatment, which has been revolutionary in treating that type. That medication that I was on for a year that was making me so sick and causing me to not recover was only protecting was only reducing my risk by about 1%. Hello? Yep, you're back. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, awesome, phenomenal. Okay, so, don't worry, I can edit that part out. (laughs) 
worries. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Jennifer. So, did you? Oh, so in essence, you did they keep you on that medication? They did not because when okay. I determined the allergy, yeah, then uh-huh. I was able to say I'm allergic. The first thing is, if you're right. allergic, don't take it. Right. It, it was curious to me because. Mm-hmm. Six months later, I had, or three months later, I had a meeting with my oncologist and he just was still a bit confused about Mm -hmm. why I had had such a hard time with that medication. Mm -hmm. And now a year out, he's looking at all my blood work and everything. Like, you know what? You're doing all the things I tell my patients to do that they Mm -hmm. never do. Exactly. So I'm not going to worry about this anymore because you're healthy lifestyle, good diet, exercise, like that's how we're going to keep you right. in this good place. Okay, awesome. So most people, Jennifer, they don't expect to receive a cancer diagnosis when they go into the doctor. That's the least that we want to hear, right? So how can people get educated about, uh, uh, without being terrified once they, when, uh, especially when they're research- researching on Google or other unofficial sources, what, what, what is your recommendation for that? The first piece of, re- of advice that I can give is don't Google. Okay. <laughs> your doctor. So always bring a second person with you. Okay. So because we can't, we don't always hear all the information. As right. You're told that you have a cancer diagnosis. That's all that's going in. Nothing else is going in. So usually they'll schedule a follow-up. Right. And then during that follow-up, then you can start to ask more questions. Right. There are very few cancer diagnoses mm-hmm. that where treatment is so dire to start immediately. Oh, okay. It is so dire. Yes. Okay. There's mm-hmm. very few where immediately starting treatment is, is required. Okay. In most cases, we have a little bit of space okay. to wrap our brain around what's happening, right. understand right. our options. I'm a big advocate of questioning. Yes. If you don't understand, ask. They are there to answer your questions and right. to help you understand and be comfortable. Right. And then once you know... And there's also, doctor's offices also have a lot of information. Right. Like a lot mm-hmm. of pamphlets, a lot of paperwork right. that they can give you to explain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, the, what the treatments are, what the potential side effects are. And there's, you usually have a team to help guide you. Right, right. The other thing I would say is to be really, really sure Okay. That if you have recommendations for other doctors, like I had a breast right. surgeon, right. I had a plastic surgeon, I have an oncologist. Right. The first thing my breast surgeon did was ask me, what insurance do you have? Right. Mm-hmm. She knew that she, that I was covered under the insurance she carried, but she said, what insurance do you have? Right. And when I told her, she then could say, okay, this is the plastic surgeon that I'm going to re- recommend. Right. Because we do a lot of work together. She takes your insurance. She's got an office here and here. Right. And then I verified. No trust yet verify. I have a friend recently whose husband was having thyroid surgery and it 
had gone a little beyond his thyroid and needed additional support. Right. And he had a surgeon, a mm-hmm. cardiovascular person, uh, a cardiothoracic person, mm-hmm. and a reconstruction doctor. And the reconstruction doctor was out of network. Wow. And they went with him because he was the referral. And of course. As opposed to saying, okay, I get that he's your referral, <coughs> but I need two more people in my network. Of course. Because mm-hmm. the second opinion is always, especially if you have any discomfort at all, get a second opinion. Of course. No harm. And 99% of the time, there's time to get that second opinion. Right. I love that. So your mission, and I found this very interesting when I was researching, your mission is to help survivors get their hearts, their bodies, and their heads on the same page. And and I can't wait to hear your explanation on this. So can you explain to our audience the relevance of this and what does this mean to get your heart and your body and head in sync? So I have a great example of this. As I went through chemo, so I had my surgery first. I had a bilateral mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And then eight weeks later, I started chemo. And I had, because of the work that I do, and I'm a movement specialist, I was moving. I had full mobility in both my arms. I was out walking. I could walk my dogs. So I started chemo, and my doctor said, you're in great shape. You should be good for the first. It was six treatments Mm -hmm. over 18 weeks, every three weeks. Okay. So he said, you should be good for the first half before you really start to feel the effects. Right. So I, my psycho would be, I would get chemo. My first week, I'd be tired. Mm -hmm. With my clients, I would just have a chair. Right. Um, My second week, I was better. My third week, I felt, quote, unquote, normal. Right. So, of course, normal changes over the course of 18 weeks, but you don't necessarily notice because first week, you're tired. Second week, you're a little less tired. Third week, you're normal, but normal, not quite where it was the last time. Right. So, I got to my sixth treatment, and I managed to, my blood work and everything stayed on schedule. I did I did my six treatments in 18 weeks and I thought well in three weeks I'm not gonna have another treatment so I'm gonna be good I'm gonna be back to walking um I had a condition that restricted me from walking Uh um during my treatment so I wasn't as active as I would normally like to be Mm -hmm. and I would really encourage people to stay as active as they can I Mm -hmm. I work with patients while they're in treatment So I was a little more restricted than I would normally like to be. So I thought, great, at week four, I'm going to be good to go. Right. And then I got to week four and I was like, oh, I'm, this is curious. I thought I was going to be back to like training again, like Mm -hmm. getting myself back to moving. And my husband, I was like, oh, this is disappointing. I, I really thought that I was going to be better. And my husband looked at me and was like, are you kidding me? Right. And I said, no, I, I'm serious. I thought like today, it's the beginning of week four. I thought today I was going to be good to go. Right. <laughs> so at that point, I realized like my body had been through this thing. Mm-hmm. 
my heart really wanted it to be back to where I was before right. I had gone through all these things. Mm-hmm. And my head was like, um, hello. Right. Bodies went through a thing. I get it. You want to be back where you were before, but we have to reconcile. Like we've got to all get back on the same page. Not only right. were we not reading from the same page, like all three things were reading out of a different book. Right. Right. Okay. I I get that. That's interesting. So Jennifer, your program helped cancer patients and survivors find a new life balance in essence, as you just explained. So can you share a few tips of how you achieve this with your clients and um, are your patients and why this step is so important? One of the things that I've really found especially with survivors, because when you go through a cancer diagnosis, you Mm -hmm. realize that this isn't a dress rehearsal. Of course. Like this is life. Right. And a lot of times we're, we, we wake up and we we find out, Oh, I've been approaching things like this is a dress rehearsal. I don't really like my job or I'm not in a, I'm dating someone that isn't, this relationship isn't really what I want for my life or whatever the case may be. And as survivors, I think we definitely take stock Mm -hmm. of where we are. Um, The American Cancer Society says something like 35% of people don't go back to their job after treatment. Mm -hmm. And some of that is people retire, but some of that is people realize they don't want to go back to that job where they didn't feel appreciated or where they just didn't like the work, but they were doing it for a paycheck. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that number is actually going to go up because mm-hmm. we have a lot more people that are being diagnosed early, younger, and they're taking stock sooner. Right. So I really find with my clients, our focus is often on moving. But a lot of times that other stuff needs to start moving. Right. Before we actually start moving our bodies. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. So what did you experience or what did your experience teach you about communication? Because I think that um, that is a common thread that I've just seen throughout our conversation that how uh, important it is to communicate. So what did your experience teach you about communication? For me, I discovered that in terms of communicating cancer, it really wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. And it was about it was more about the people that I was talking with. Mm-hmm. And just really being clear and really communicating, it's really possible to speak truth in a kind way. Yeah. But still speak your truth. Right. If you if there's something you don't want to do, you can express in a kind way that you don't want to do it. Right. 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 <laughs> Often we tell people what we think they want to hear. Oh, okay. Yes. As opposed to telling them what we really mean right 
But I think, don't you, Jennifer, would you agree that the reason why sometimes there's a fear and a hesitancy, you know, maybe we're afraid that we'll break the relationship or <clears throat> whatever we're looking for. We want to achieve that because if we speak too much of our truth, um, maybe the person would be resistant. But I would love to hear even more of your thoughts on that, because I think that you speak truth in a kind way, but still speak your truth. Why do you think that that's important? Because as we, as I went further in my research, that's the one thing that I saw that, again, consistent outside of communication in your practice is that, yes, I know you've been, you have this diagnosis. I know times may be hard. I know we're trying to balance everything out, but I need to be here to also speak your truth. I need to be honest with you. So can you go ahead and expand a little bit more on that, please, for me? Absolutely. There's so many times where I'll hear a client say, I'll ask them to try something mm -hmm. in the studio, whether it's walking or an exercise, and they'll say, I can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, or there's a story about why there's a reason that they mm -hmm. can't. Mm -hmm. And I'll say to them, okay, how long have we been working together? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Have I ever asked you to do something that you ultimately couldn't do? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then, so then we have to check in. Is that true? And I'll mm -hmm. hear people say, make other statements about all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say, okay, is that true? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you have, is there any evidence? that that might not be true. Right. And a lot of times we'll respond to something, especially something we're resistant to, mm -hmm. in a negative way. And then when we step back, we realize, oh, maybe that's not true. Mm -hmm. So okay. it's an interesting mm -hmm. experiment to, when you really feel resistance to something, uh -huh. to step back and say, huh, is that true or am I making that up? Right. And I understand about the, um, the, the truth and what, what, I, what came to mind for me as you were speaking was about trust. You know, a lot of times if we haven't developed that trust within our relationships, would you agree that we're hesitant? And then sometimes, it, man, this could lead back to so many things, insecurities or different things of that nature in which I couldn't even fathom, you know, um, having a diagnosis such as that, even at stage four and the insecurities that would come immediately. You know, who do I trust? What do I believe? And to your point earlier, you know, don't Google a lot of things, but just try to stay focused on what the expert is telling you and then that'll kind of keep you centered and focused I guess and, and which this is a great segue into the next point in life mindset is pivotal when patients or survivors enter into your program what are some of your top focuses that you like to incorporate you know and I and of course I already know the answer but I want I want you to expound upon some of those things so that they can find hope in what you're saying so I want to circle back to one of the things okay. that you mentioned because awesome. trusting people is super important. Yes. But we have to relearn how to trust our body. Okay, awesome. Because our body, in a way, it's, it's been through a thing and it's different. 
mm-hmm. doesn't feel the same. It's and it's all those things that no one prepares you for. Right. Like no right. one prepares you for the nerve issues and the potential lymphedema and right. all the things that kind of come in. And then we have to relearn how to trust our body. Right. And it is interesting as well because people respond in all different ways. And I hear this from survivors I talk to all the time. People they thought would like show up in force. Yeah. Kind of disappear. Okay. Uh-huh. And then people they never would have expected show will up. be like, I want to help you. How yeah, can I help you? I'm bringing uh-huh. you food tomorrow. What would you right. like? Right. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I mean, I think that's an interesting point, Jennifer. Not to, I don't want to stay on that point for too long, but I mean, when you're talking in your, in your practice, you, you want them to focus on fun, living relationships, adventures, inspiration. And I think that, um, or I would suppose, because I've never been in those shoes, but, um, you, they kind of, it's daunting, you know, maybe this black hole appears. I don't know for you, it was a little bit different, but for that person where, okay, maybe instantly they just don't know how to, um, deal with those type of feelings, how to manage that. So how do you take that person and, and tell them that, Hey, you can still have fun. You can still live. You know, what, what do you recommend for them? What, how does that focus help them to go to the next level that you're trying to get them to? So the first step there is to just take the first step. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. When we think about the next, when we think about where we are, mm-hmm. we have total control over the choices that we make. Right. Oh, they might feel like we don't always have control. We can't always control our circumstances, but we can control how we respond to them. Right. And we can control the next steps that we take. Right. Mm -hmm. so it's the little steps it's the milestones it's setting a flag and saying i want to go i want to be able to walk my dog right Uh and feel comfortable walking my dog right Mm -hmm. so first they might have to go out for a short walk without their dog okay i understand okay Mm -hmm. i understand but it's setting Mm -hmm. that flag saying right like to do it might be I want to go on a 10-day cruise. And it could be that they used to think, well, I only have 14 days of vacation. I couldn't possibly take a 10-day cruise or a long trip to somewhere. But then we hear, we realize that life is not a dress rehearsal. And all of a sudden that option becomes available. We can figure it out. It's an amazing thing. It was just an amazing thing. um, uh, Can you hear me now, Jennifer? I can, yep. Okay, it was just an amazing thing that I stood up out of the blue because that my doctor told me the same thing. I didn't have cancer, but I had a traumatic experience also. And he was saying the same thing, that one day, Lisa, is just going to click. Your brain has to connect back to your body. And you're just going to do it out of the, you know, you won't even, you won't even be thinking about it. So the point is, why is it important that we understand, although that uh, the diagnosis is cancer, why is it important to incorporate or be compassionate or being authentic and avoiding the pit 
And what role does judgment and negativity play during this process? That is such an interesting question. Thank you. One of the things that I find really common is we search for a why. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as soon as we start to search for a why, mm -hmm. we almost become a victim of our circumstance. Yes. Okay. And I never searched for that why because I felt like I was really doing all the things I could do to be healthy. Mm -hmm. So I didn't judge that. I just felt like, okay, I have a thing and this thing's going to teach me something mm -hmm. and I'm going to do the thing and I'm going to be okay. And so many people along the way, I remember being at a breakfast and having someone say it was September, so October, Breast Cancer Awareness right, Month was right. coming up. And someone said, oh, Jen's got such a great story. You should feature her on the radio. And it was a radio person who he was telling this to. And right. the radio person turned to me and said, oh, you had cancer? Did, did you change your diet? Mm -hmm. Did you exercise more? Right. You, like he was asking me all these questions and I was like, nope, I, I'm celiac. I've been gluten and dairy free for eight years. Right. Exercised a lot. Like I was in great shape. Mm -hmm. And I finally looked at him after like question number five and said, do you have any other questions about how this is my fault? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he just sort of looked at me, but all the questions were like, searching for a reason right 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 and I tell people all the time like we don't know the doctor can't tell us right. why unless you have the genetic a genetic marker okay doctors can't necessarily tell us where like how it happened they can't say well you lived in this place and had this exposure and you have this genetic leaning and it's very interesting for me because there's cancer all around me. My aunt had uh, breast cancer at 49. My, I have several great aunts. I have several second cousins um, at my mom's level. My mom had um, some bad cells found this spring. And the doctors have said they think within the next 10 to 20 years, they will find a genetic causal link that just hasn't been discovered yet. Okay, awesome. So... Some of your success stories, um, after uh, reviewing everything, I really could appreciate what they were saying. So um, it, it involved, like, they appreciated the consistent improvement, the mobility, customized plans. They gained confidence, and they were left feeling that cancer didn't have to define who they were because they experienced a life change. What can your customers expect when beginning with your program? The first thing is that everything's tailored for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're an individual. Their circumstances are individual, where they were before, where they want to go. It's really about getting them in touch with what they want okay. and how they want to move forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then supporting them Providing a container 
right. for them to reach those goals. Right. Okay. Awesome. That's phenomenal. So what are some of the ser- of your services that you offer and would you explain and during that, would you mind expounding upon the movement part? Cause I think that was kind of fascinating. I couldn't wait to ask you about that too, because I noticed on several different areas of your website, you're always expounding about movement. You're always talking about moving, keep the body moving. Can you explain what the, what, one goes through within that moving portion of recovery? What are they experiencing? Yes. So staying moving is so important, especially as we're aging just in general. Um, But really keeping our range of motion, keeping our strength, Mm -hmm. regaining our strength is just so important. So I have a lot of tools in my toolkit. Okay. I'm a Pilates. I have a full apparatus Pilates studio. I'm a yoga teacher. I specialize in restorative yoga. Okay. And one of the things that I also do for people that aren't local, I do do health and wellness coaching. Right. Mm -hmm. And I help people find providers in their local area and help them to ask the right questions. Right. Okay. Really understanding if a provider is going to be able to meet your needs. Right, right. I understand. Can you expound upon that a little bit more about the, the provider being able, because I think that that's important, then we'll get ready for our final thoughts. Can you uh, expound why is that so important, and especially as asking the right question? Absolutely. Thank so. I just happen to be a person who, when I started on my movement journey mm-hmm. in being a teacher of these different movement modalities, I called in a lot of people that had different things going on, whether it was cancer or oh, a knee injury. or So I did a lot of research, and I my approach is very science-based. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's many different, you can meet many different yoga practitioners, Pilates practitioners that are maybe more to the, they have more of a spiritual practice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is good, just different. Right. There's so many types of yoga. There's so many styles. Right. Right. And different practitioners learn different things. They have different skill sets. They may never have, they might be a great yogi, but they've never worked with someone with cancer and therefore they don't understand the challenges. So we want to make sure that someone has experience. Um, You sound really distant. Okay. Can you hear me now? I can. Okay. Yeah. So you want to ask those questions and really understand where someone's coming from. It's the same as if you're talking to a doctor. If you have pancreatic cancer, you want that surgeon that deals with the with pancreatic cancer every day of the week, right. eight times a day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they don't. They. It's not just that they've done like ten total. You right. want them ten a week. Right. Like my surgeon's a breast surgeon. There's. Right, you want them to have specialties. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so we awesome. Want our, yeah, we want our people to be specialized, and we don't want to be their guinea pig. 
you know, and I, and I can appreciate that because you want to make sure that back to your point about just knowing the right questions to make sure that they're, you're, you're on the same page because this is a very trying situation for some, you know, you just had such a great attitude about it. So, um, you know, I'm sure your customers, your, your patients, they appreciate that. Um, you speak about yoga. Just one, one more question I thought about, um, you speak about your yoga practice. What do people experience with their movement does their body tighten up or that's kind of what i was wondering is it is that is it start you know a limited range of motion or something so it's really interesting it's mm. every body is different right um for me i lost muscle mass okay 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 so my weight didn't necessarily change but i have i carry a lot of muscle on my body right mm -hmm. so while my weight didn't change I wasn't as strong okay so for me I had to regain a lot of that muscle mass mm -hmm. so you could have someone who is hypermobile like they are really bendy flexy but they don't have any strength okay okay um wow or you can have someone where they're not super bendy flexy right uh-huh and they don't have flexibility or strength. Okay. Okay. There's, it's sort of meeting. You want to make sure that someone's meeting you where you are. Right. Really okay. Understanding what you need. Okay. Phenomenal. That's awesome because I think that that's very important that, you know, our audience will understand, okay, this is what you might be experiencing. And this is why I'm telling you or sharing that this would be a good comparable practice for you. So that's, I thank you for explaining that a little bit more in depth, Jennifer. So Jennifer, this is, this is your final thoughts, your extra time to shine. Um, you shared a lot of tips with us today. Thank you, queen. Your passion is surrounded by helping others to begin immediately the, the healing progress process in the beginning especially after hearing those words as you so eloquently put it or it's on your website you have cancer so being an expert <clears throat> excuse me everyone how can you help people transition into believing that they can still have a family life still leave a legacy and maintain a positive outlook and then secondly what would you say to that person who may be listening to this segment and is completely hopeless and may not have the support system that you offer where would they begin jennifer so if you could kind of sum that up in about two minutes i would greatly appreciate it thank you so much so <clears throat> excuse me i would say we all have our moments okay. of feeling a bit hopeless. All right. Mm -hmm. And we can, and that's okay. That's okay. And however we're, we're walking through our journey, mm -hmm. it's okay. It's how it's, okay. it's, it's going to be in that moment. But we have the ability to reach out and connect into communities it's one of the reasons i started my podcast the cancer cliff notes right uh-huh because it shares people's stories right and it and there are some incredible stories yes mm -hmm. people that had very low i think in one case a 17 percent survival right wow Five years, she's doing well. She wow. has a strong faith. Wow. She just attacked it. Wow. And when you hear those stories, it brings you hope. Yes. So if you're having a day or a moment when you just feel hopeless, mm -hmm. connect 
into a place of hope where you can hear an inspirational story. Yes. And think that can be me. Right. I can be that. Right. I'm going to choose to believe that today. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so awesome, Julie, especially when you say, I'm going to choose because it's a choice. I, I, I know this is not video, but I can see her face and it's just her expressions. And, and it just, and you just even on your face, it was just such a signal of hope. And you're, and you're really authentic. And now I wish that the audience could see your face because just in that brief second, you, I saw it all over your face and it was just such a blessing to see that, um, just it's a choice to believe right so do you want to expound anything else upon that just the choice of which direction someone would want to go of how they would make a positive or negative outcome through this situation I would say we can always approach it from a place of what am I meant to learn right okay what gift is this challenge bringing me Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm That's awesome. I I love that because I often say that we have to look at pain as a gift. We have to become so comfortable with pain that we can find our peace with inside of that. And I think that that is how God ordained us to become pruned so we can become in our purpose. So I really appreciate your kind words today. Can you share a social media site where people can reach out to you for more knowledge about your programs and offerings, please? Sure. You can go to cancercliffnotes.com mm-hmm. which also connects into my website fitness design solutions and you can also listen to the cancer cliff notes on itunes and spreaker awesome awesome i love that they have a good i think they're leaving with a good wealth of knowledge i would encourage everyone to especially reach out to her podcast um because i think that's going to give a lot of wealth of knowledge for those of us who have either either experience with a family member even um maybe you don't you know know how to go through that so that will this is a great resource so please um make sure that you take advantage of that thank you queen i am elated to have participated in this show today I know that someone somewhere was touched by this wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much to our guest queen of the Savvy Speaks Roundtable, Jennifer, who is a certified massage therapist, second generation Pilates uh, master teacher, breast cancer cancer post rehab exercise specialist cancer exercise specialist ryt 200 which is a registered yoga teacher and running coach family and i would like to add um add a survivor she is a survivor family who you can find out more at www.iamlisanobles.com slash podcast.html and as a bonus please visit www.iamlisanobles.com slash resources.html where you can receive free resources for being a part of the savvy speaks family i love you i truly do thank you for being a part of the show and remember remember family my mantra and as i always say You are, you are, family, a unique combination of experiences, clothed in purpose, strength, and destiny. destiny. And I, I hope you have a great week, and I will see you right here next time on the Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. Bye-bye, and God bless. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast with Ms. Lisa Nobles online at imlisanobles.com and on Facebook and Instagram at EWOFP. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review and we'll catch you next time on Savvy Speaks Empowerment Podcast. Activate, motivate, inspire.